You're listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. Midtown Church is a family loved and served by God, compelled to love and serve each other and Austin with God. Learn more at midtownaustin.org. And good morning, Midtown family. Uh, it's great to worship with you again this morning. I'm glad, too, to see some new names and or uh, faces this morning. And so if I've not met you, uh, my name's Justin. I'm the associate pastor here at Midtown, and especially excited that you joined us if you're visiting with us. Uh, this morning, we're actually starting off a new sermon series that's going to run parallel to our 21-day fast, which you'll hear a little bit from me, and then at, at the end, one final kind of announcement before we get this thing started. Um, it's going to run parallel to the 21-day fast that we're doing, and it's kind of going, and what we're going to do during those 21 days is pray into our year-long goal, which our year-long goal this year was that we would both experience God's love personally and then extend God's love to others. And so it's going to be real fun. Week number one of the 21-day fast, which starts in a week, will be really focused on experiencing God's love personally. Week two will focus on extending God's love to each other as a spiritual family at Midtown. And week three will focus our prayers on extending God's love to the city of Austin. And so each Sunday, we're going to uh, teach toward one of those ends, experiencing God's love, extending God's love to each other, extending God's love to Austin. And that will kick off a week of our seven-day devotional that we'll have each week that will lead us in prayers, that we'll all be reading the same scriptures and praying. Uh, we do have a daily devotional that some of you have already received and others of you are going to receive it this week. We're hand-delivering it uh, with a personal note to your doorstep this week. And so it's going to be a really fun time for us as a church. And so to get things started toward that end this Sunday, I'm going to be talking about uh, fasting because you may be asking yourself the question like, well, what is fasting or why, why would we fast? And so today we're really going to look at what the Bible says kind of overall about this practice of fasting. And so I hope that what would happen at the end of this week or the end of this Sunday would get you really set up to spend this next week praying about how you're personally going to engage in the fast, because we can all engage in the fast different ways, which I'll explain. But I want this week to be one where you leave today understanding what fasting is and what are some of the things that would cause us to fast so that you can go to the next seven days, pray about what is it? And how am I going to engage in the fast uh, with our whole church body? And so I'll start this morning by kind of explaining what fasting is from a defining it standpoint, talk about a few different types of fast, but the, the bulk of what I want to spend time on is, is why or when do we fast? Like when we look particularly throughout scripture, what are the occasions that led people to fast? And I'm hoping as I describe four of them, that at least one of them for you will be like a handle, something you'll, you'll grab on and say, yeah, this is, the, this is how I'm going to use the fast during these 21 days personally. And then corporately, we're all going to use the, the fast in different ways, which I'll explain as well. So let's start just with a simple definition, the simple definition of fasting. The Greek word of fasting simply means just to refrain from food. And the Hebrew word for fasting is translated to not eat. So when the word fasting is used in the Old and New Testaments, it really just means to not be eating, Right. And so that's the definition of fasting, but really this definition you see here is more, how do, what, how do you define the practice of fasting? And so it's different when we're practicing it spiritually. It's fasting is abstaining from food, but for, for spiritual purses, uh, purposes. And so that's uh, Richard Foster's definition that I, that I found to be the most helpful. Fasting is abstaining from food for spiritual purposes. And that's what we're going to talk about when I talk about the when and why do we fast. I'm going to talk about at least four of those purposes, so we'll get there in a second. But first, I want to talk to you just a little bit about different types of fast, because fasting 
it's not a unique Christian practice. In fact, if you're familiar with other world religions, you know that other world religions fast in different ways. So it's a spiritual practice that's pretty common in all different religions. But in Christianity, there's uh, particular reasons that we fast, which we'll talk about. But first, let's talk real quick about different types of fasts. So there's what's called an individual fast and a corporate fast. So in scripture, you see both of these taking place. You see individual fasts, like if you read, you'll see that David fasted personally, uh, Daniel, Nehemiah, even Jesus fasted. But we also see throughout scripture corporate fasts. In the book of Esther, which we'll look at, Nehemiah, Jonah, Acts, we see families or nations or churches that fast together. In fact, Israel had a nationwide fast on the Day of Atonement. So God had set up within the Mosaic Law that there was an annual corporate fast for all of Israel. Now, I say this to say that because most of us, when we think about fasting, probably the most familiar scripture that we're, we're used to is when Jesus speaks on the Sermon on the Mount and he talks about fasting. And we think, well, Jesus talked about not doing it in front of other people. So how can we do it corporately? And I just wanted to point out that what Jesus is really referring to in that whole passage is about motive. It's the motive of your heart, like not fasting unto men, but rather fasting unto God. So it's not that you can't fast individ you can't fast corporately like we're going to do for 21 days. It's a matter of our hearts. So we could actually fast individually in a way that's, that's uh, selfish and dishonoring to God, or we could do the same corporately. So Jesus was addressing the motive. And all that to say, we can fast individually and corporately, and it's a matter of where our heart is. Other two things to consider in fasting, uh, types of fasting, are there's whole fasts and there's partial fasts. So while most, most fasts in scripture actually are whole day fasts where you fast from food, but not water, there actually are a few examples where people do absolute fasts, where they actually fast from food and water, but there's even examples of partial fasts. So for instance, in the book of Esther, which we're going to look at here shortly, uh, Esther calls the people to fast from water and food for three days. Or in the book of Daniel, Daniel fasts for 21 days, like we are, and he did a partial fast where he just fasts from certain kind of foods during those 21 days. So during our 21-day fast, you can do many different things. You might want to fast from sunup to sundown, or you might just fast for one meal a day, or you might fast from all but one meal a day. You can fast from specific types of foods like, the Dan like Daniel did, or specific types of drinks. Uh, you can choose whether you want to do a whole fast or a partial fast throughout any part of these 21 days. And the last thing I'll say as far as types of fast, there are food fasts, and then there's uh, non-food fasting, which it's not strictly fasting, which I'll explain. Uh, strictly speaking, fasting is by very definition, like we said, refraining from food, abstaining from food for a spiritual purpose. But there's also something real similar to fasting, which I like that Dallas Willard calls it, um, he calls it sacrifice. So it's a kind of spiritual discipline that, that feels like fasting, but whereas fasting is from food, sacrifice is, is abstaining from some other pleasure for spiritual purposes. And so some of us during this 21-day fast are going to fast from food, and some of us will, will choose to actually do what, what Dallas Willard called a sacrifice, meaning there's some pleasure that we're going to give up during portions, if not all of these 21 days, things like social media or TV or video games or uh, really anything that consumes your heart or your mind that would allow you to better focus on God for these 21 days. And so as you practice this uh, form of fasting, know that you can do food fast, true fasting, or you could do fasting from other pleasures, which Dallas Willard again calls sacrifice. So those are the different types of fast as you think about it, think about it. But I want to turn our attention now to the bigger question, which I think is more important, is why do we fast or when do we fast? 
Um, it's important, again, to point, point out that in the Mosaic Law is the command for Israel to fast uh, on the Day of Atonement, and that was the only command in Scripture to fast. And so it's pretty, pretty interesting that there's actually not a command to fast in Scripture, but there's quite a few assumptions that we would. So let me just give you three, three assumptions just so you see that while there's not a command, it's, it's something that we should do individually uh, and together as a church. Uh, first, it was modeled for us. Uh, Jesus fasted for 40 days before starting his ministry. We're going to look later at some, some verses in the book of Acts, which is the early church, where the early church was fasting. So it's, it's modeled for us in a way that we should think, this is assumed that we should practice this as well. Secondly, is that when Jesus was teaching on fasting on the Sermon on the Mount, which I spoke about earlier, when he's talking about motive, here's how he starts this, that part of the sermon. He says, when you fast, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> so he's saying, here's how to fast. I'm going to say, I'm going I'm to assume you guys are going to fast. So when you fast, here's how you do it. Or maybe the, the biggest assumption was when the religious leaders actually came to Jesus and said, why, why aren't your disciples fasting like John the Baptist's disciples? And Jesus says, well, they're not going to fast while they're with the bride, referring to himself, but, but when, the bridegroom, when the bridegroom, rather, when the bridegroom leaves, then there will be time for fasting. So Jesus was saying, they're not going to fast when I'm here, but when I return to my father, then they will begin fasting in different ways while they wait for my return. All that to say, while there's no command in scripture to fast, it's modeled for us. Jesus taught on fasting, and he told the religious leaders of his time that his disciples would fast, and we see that they did. And so those are the reasons why I believe that we should fast together as a church. But now what I really want to do is spend a little time talking about four uh, ways or four reasons for fasting that we see in scripture. And I want to point you to a couple scriptures. And I hope again, my main hope is that you would, that maybe one of these, if, if not more, but at least one of them would stand out and you would say, I'm going to, I'm going to press into that during these 21 days. So let's look at these four reasons, four reasons why people fasted scripturally that we see. First is when seeking answered prayer or spiritual breakthrough. When seeking answered prayer or spiritual breakthrough. So in the Bible, often people fasted in response to a time when they desperately needed God to answer their prayers. So let me show you a few examples. Uh, there's a story of Esther, which is a great, great, great example. If you don't know the story of Esther, it's a really wonderful story to read in the Old Testament. It's a story of a young Jewish woman who's taken uh, by a Persian king to, to be one of his many, many wives. And she, and, and as, as her time in the palace, she and her uncle learn that there's a guy named Haman who has a plan to assassinate all the Jewish people in the land. And so she, only the king could stop this plot. And she was the only person that had any closeness with the king to address this with him. But there was a problem because if you, you didn't go to the king unless you were called by the king to come into his presence. If you went into his presence uninvited, in fact, you would actually, you would actually get killed. And so she has said, you know, I have to be the only one to do this. And so this is what she says to Mordecai as she sends him this message in uh, Ezra, or, um, Esther 4, 15 through 17. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai, go gather all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it's against the law. And if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went away and carried out all of Esther's instructions. So Esther called for a citywide, or you might say peoplewide, all the Jewish people in that land to spend three days fasting and praying before she took this very courageous step to approach the king 
and asks for this plot uh, to be uh, thwarted. And if you go on to read the story, God answers their prayers and, it, and he saves the people from being killed and the plot is uh, thwarted. And it's actually Haman himself who dies as a result of it. And so the point here is that in a time of desperate need, they called for a fast because they needed God so desperately. The situation was so dire that they needed to fast and add fasting in addition to their prayers. In a very similar uh, period of time, uh, there's the book of Ezra. And the book of Ezra is a really fun book that details the, the story about how the, the people that were captive in Persia were actually given freedom to go rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. And so it's a really wonderful story. And they go and they rebuild this temple. And near the end of the book, um, Ezra goes back to try to gather all the priests and all the different items. In the Jewish temple worship, they, they had lots of different items that accompanied their worship. And they've gathered all these together. They're about to make their trip all together with all the priests and all the materials back to Jerusalem. But this would be a dangerous trip because it's very expensive, all the things that they had. And so they really needed God's protection. And so this is what Ezra uh, declared in Ezra chapter 8. He said there, by the Ahava Canal, I proclaimed a fast that we might humble ourselves before God and ask him for safe journey for us and our children and with all of our possessions. I was ashamed to ask the kings for king's soldiers, soldiers and horsemen to protect us from the enemies on the road because I had told the king, the gracious hand of our God is on everyone who looks to him, but his anger is great against those who forsake him. So we fasted and petitioned our God about this and he answered our prayer. See, Ezra was so aware of need for God's provision and how it would reflect back on the king as well as just their deep, deep desire to start and reestablish worship in the temple that had been taken from them for such a long time. He was so dire situation that he said, we're going to add fasting to our prayers and I'm going to declare a whole fast. You go on to read the story and they do get safe journey and they reestablish worship in the temple. So from both of these stories, the people fasted when they really needed God to come through for them, when they needed him to answer their prayers. And this is one of God's purposes in fasting is that fasting makes our prayers more earnest. Fasting makes our prayers more earnest. Fasting helps us see and even feel how, more, how dependent we are on God. There's something about fasting. If, if, you, if you've done it, you know this. There's something about it that just humbles us and it reminds us how weak we are and how desperately we need God to be the one that answers our prayers. And fasting even shows God how serious we are about our prayers. It adds earnestness to our prayers when we fast. It's not that our prayers necessarily mean more to God. It's really that they actually mean more to us when we fast. You'll experience that. If you add fasting to your prayers, you will see how earnest they become and they will mean more to you than they would otherwise. It's kind of uh, praying. It's a different kind of praying than our normal praying. That happens when we fast. Your prayers will mean even more to you and your prayers uh, will you'll make your prayers more earnest before God. I want to be real clear about what I'm not saying. I don't want you to misunderstand. I'm not saying that fasting is a way to manipulate God to do what we want. I'm not saying that by adding fasting to our prayers, that then it's like a secret sauce that, that makes God respond. That's not what it is. That's actually praying selfishly. We don't have time to get into it, but there's Zechariah and Isaiah as prophets, both actually uh, come after Israel and, and blame them for the way that they actually could fast selfishly. And so it's not a way of trying to selfishly get something from God. It's a way of adding earnestness to our prayers that makes our prayers different. 
And so as a church, one of the things that I want you to think about and one of the, one of the handles that you might grab onto is during this fast, there might be something specific that you just really need to see God come through for. Maybe there's something you're really desperate to see God do and you need him. And during these 21 days, this could be what you do. You say, hey, this is one of the reasons we come to God and fast is I'm going to add fasting to my prayers. And if you do, I want you to see how it makes your prayers more earnest. So maybe you have like a friend that's you really love that's wandering away from, from the Lord. Or maybe you've got an illness or a friend has an illness and you really want to ask God for healing. Um, whatever it would be, just to say during these 21 days, man, I'm, I'm going to bring this to God because I'm desperate for him to do it. And fasting will add earnestness to your prayers. And then when we think about it as a church, as a church, I think about this, this journey that Ezra took the people on, a very dangerous, very difficult journey, a very grand project to rebuild the entire temple that he was a part of. And I think about our vision to, to see the day when every man, woman, and child in Austin would hear the gospel from someone who loves them. I mean, I think about just something that's worth praying into, something that seems impossible, and I want to add fasting, and I want us as a church to add fasting to our prayers to see God do something that only he can do because we, we know we can't do it in ourselves. And adding that earnestness to our prayers, I believe that God will hear us and respond in our time of fasting. Let me give you a second, um, second reason why we can fast or why we should fast, you see in Scripture, and that's that people fasted when they were convicted of sin. And repentance. In the Bible, people often often fasted in response to conviction of sin or as a part of how they were trying to repent of their sin. So for instance, during Israel's uh, time of exile, again in the same period of Persia, Nehemiah actually landed in a pretty good place. He actually landed as the cupbearer of the king while while the rest of the uh, Jewish people were scattered everywhere. But even though he had this kind of nice job that he had, he still cared so much about what was happening in Jerusalem. And so when some buddies came to talk to him, that was the first thing he asked them. And you see this in Nehemiah 1. It says, they said to me, those who survived the exile are back in the province. They're in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and the gates have been burned with fire. And when I heard these things, this is Nehemiah speaking. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before before God of heaven. If you were to keep reading, Nehemiah actually goes on to confess his sin that he's complicit in, as well as the sins of the whole people of Israel that actually led to them being exiles instead of living in Jerusalem like they like they should be. This is what in scripture is called a, a corporate confession. It's when you see something out there in the world that so breaks your heart that you begin confessing and you recognize the parts that you play and the, and the thing that's troubling you. And so I would think that it'd be similar to Nehemiah if he was here on, I think it was January 6th, if that was the date that was right, and he watched people waving Jesus flags as they stormed the Capitol, I think he would fast. He would look at that and say, what, what is happening? And he would fast and he would weep and he would be just appalled at how people could, in, in Jesus' name, do something so incongruent with their faith and it would burden him so bad that he would fast. And so that's one of the reasons that we fast. We, we see something out in society, in our world, in the church even, that, that is so convicting and so bothering that we can't do anything but what Nehemiah did, that we fast and we pray. That's corporate confession, but you also see in personal confession that fasting often accompanied uh, people's repentance. So in the story that you read in 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel, uh, Samuel was a prophet to the people. 
And there's a period of time when the, the people of Israel began worshiping idols and, and setting up false gods. And so he calls them to repentance and confession, and they respond. And you get the story in 1 Samuel chapter 7. Then all the people of Israel turned back to the Lord. So Samuel said to the Israelites, if you're returning to the Lord with all your hearts, then rid yourselves of foreign gods and asterisks and commit to the Lord to serve him only, and he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. So the Israelites put away their bells and asterisks, and they served the Lord only. Then Samuel said, Assemble all of Israel at Mizpah, and I will intercede with the Lord for you. When they assembled at Mizpah, they drew water and poured it out before the Lord. On that day they fasted, and there confessed, We have sinned against the Lord. See, the people repented of their idolatry by putting away their idols. They gathered for worship where they fasted and they confessed their sin. They were heartbroken and sick about their own sin and what they had done so much that they couldn't help but fast. And fasting actually accompanied their confession and led to their repentance. And this is the second purpose that, that, that goes along with this one. Just as fasting can make our prayers more earnest, fasting makes our confession more sincere. In fact, beyond that, fasting can actually be instrumental in helping us break patterns of sin in our lives. It's a great time to fast when you're serious about repenting and, and putting an end to some sin in your life, especially addictions of, of sin that, that are like compulsive addictions. Because if you try fasting, and if you have, you know this, and if you haven't, you try it, you'll experience it. One of the things that fasting does is it makes you aware of all of your hungers, not just your, fit, your physical hunger. It makes you aware of all of your urges and all the things that you want and the compulsions that you have and your desire for selfish pleasure. And so doing, it can actually help get to the heart of some of the sinful urges that you have and give you a better sense of when they're coming on so that you're more prepared to fight against it. Fasting then does not just accompany confession and repentance scripturally. It can actually be part of helping you repent from the sin that you want to be free from the sin that you're confessing. It both accompanies confession and is part of helping you repent. Now, again, I want to be really careful to, to point out what I'm not saying. What I'm not saying is that fasting makes God forgive you. That, <laughs> that's not what I'm saying. It's not, it's, you can't have any forgiveness apart from the pardon that, Jesus, that God gives you through your faith in Jesus Christ. Like once you put your faith in Christ, you're forgiven of all your sins, past, present, future. So this doesn't mean that by fasting, you're somehow earning your way back to God and, and then he will forgive you. Fasting, it doesn't equate with our forgiveness. What it does is it helps us with our repentance, the things that we still do, the ways that we still sin, even as Christians. And so if this motivates you, if this could be a handle, something that you would say during this fast, you know what? I want to approach this fast because I'm struggling in a certain area of my life. And I want to have fasting during these days, accompanying my repentance and asking and pleading with God for deliverance in that area, whether it's a sin of commission or a sin of omission. Sins of commission, meaning things that we do. Sins of omission, things that we should be doing that we don't. For instance, you might say that I have some you know, addiction or compulsion, and, and during these 21 days, I want to actively repent and add fasting to my confessions that God could change my heart. Or maybe it's a sin of omission and if you were honest, you say you just don't have any hunger for God. You're not spending time with him. You, you don't really have this desire to know him. And so you want to repent of that sin of omission and say, God, give me a hunger 
I repent. Change my heart and give me that hunger for you. That would be a way that the fasting could accompany uh, confession and repentance in your life. And we can certainly do that corporately as a church. As we do this during these 21 days, I would really invite us to, to use this time to confess uh, on behalf of our people. Even you could just say America and grieve some of the things that are going on and the injustices and the pain and the, the, the vitriol, the division in our land that we can actually do like Nehemiah and corporately confess together and repent and ask God to bring us renewed life and restoration to our land. That's why confession, uh, fasting accompanies confession. Let me give you a third reason. Third reason why people fasted in scripture is that they did it when they were seeking discernment and direction. So in the Bible, people often fasted when they needed discernment and were seeking direction. Uh, one of my favorite Old Testament stories is, is the godly king Jehoshaphat. He's very, very frightened by the news of an invading army, so he turns to God in prayer and fasting. Listen to this in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Some of the people came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom and the other side of the Dead Sea. It's already in Hezanon Tamar, that is in Gedi. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast in all of Judah. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. So fun. Like, I love that. He resolved to inquire of the Lord and proclaimed a fast. So Jehoshaphat, he, he knew that they were in trouble. There was this vast army that was coming against him. And his first inclination is, man, I don't know what to do. And what's really cool is he actually gathers all the people and to kind of commission the time of fasting, he prays this really wonderful prayer that we don't have time to read. But the last line of the prayer is one of my favorite in all the scripture. It says, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. As he's gathered the people to pray, and his last part of his prayer is, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And if you go on to read the story, they actually seek God, and they're praying, and they're fasting, and God speaks through some prophets and gives them a strategy for how they can win this battle. And the strategy is awesome. The strategy was just to take their battle stations and worship. And that by their worshiping, it ended up that the enemies actually ended up fighting themselves and they turned on themselves and they won the battle without even doing anything but worshiping. But it all started because they fasted because they sought to inquire God, like during a time of fasting to get his voice and hear and discern what he was doing. We see this actually in the, in the early church too. We see where fasting is part of the discernment in regard uh, to sending missionaries. We see this in Acts chapter 13. It says, while they were worshiping, it's referring to the church in Antioch, or Antioch um, while they were worshiping, the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I've called them. So after they fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. See, it was a time of prayer and fasting that the Lord spoke to the church about how to send and who to send as their first missionaries. So when the church faced a big decision about what to do and who to send and where to go, they did it by prayer and fasting. In fact, if you were to go to the very next chapter in chapter 14, uh, Barnabas and Paul are using prayer and fasting as part of their discernment and at, at appointing elders. And so they're going to these churches and they're raising up certain people to lead the church, but they do it by prayer and fasting because they needed God's discernment. And so this, again, is one of the purposes of fasting. The fasting is a way of kind of calming. It calms your mind, gives you greater clarity of thought. Fasting makes it easier to hear from God. One of the purpose, fasting makes it easier for you to hear from God. 
And even you can do this individually when you're seeking God for discernment. You can do this corporately as a church that we can seek God for discernment. You can do it as a family seeking God for discernment to fast and say, God, we want to hear your voice. Fasting does. It makes you more sensitive. If you've ever tried it, you're so sensitive to everything around. It's just a simple way of helping you hear God's voice and get the discernment that you're seeking. And so as we think about approaching this fast, let me suggest maybe a third handle, something that you can grab onto uh, during this fast would be to say, maybe you're in a, a spot right now where you just need some discernment, like you need some direction. And so during these days, you could use these 21 days to be something that you do as an individual or with a family or with a group of friends, uh, with your MC, whatever it would be to say, hey, let's fast and seek God. Maybe you've got a, a difficult decision regarding a career one way or the other. Maybe you're trying to discern where to live and where God would have you live on, on mission and in our city. Use this time to fast, to pray, and seek discernment. I know this is certainly something that we could and should do as a church during these 21 days, that we need as a church. Man, we've got such huge obstacles ahead of us. It's so difficult to try to be a church that reaches the center part of Austin. And one of the things we can do is we could pray and ask God, God, give us discernment. We know we have these obstacles against us, COVID among many other things. So what would you have us do? What are some things that we can ask of you that you would give us direction? And even clarify what our unique role is as a church. Like what have you made us Midtown Church to be uniquely? And let's pray that God would, would give us that vision and show us who we are so that we can walk in the calling that he's given us. So I've given you three handles three real specific ways. Uh, when you need an answered prayer, when you're desperate, when you in a time of confession and a repentance, and third, when you need discernment and direction. But I'd be remiss if I didn't really um, mention this last one because there's a fourth way to fast and reason to fast, and that's just to do it as a regular spiritual practice. Just regular spiritual practice. You see, in the Bible, people didn't just fast as a part uh, when they needed answers to prayer. They didn't just do it when they were convicted of sin. They just didn't do it when they needed direction in the sermon. They just fasted as a, a part of their normal spiritual walk with God. And as I stated before, the Mosaic Law was the only commandment that was to Israel for them to fast during the Day of Atonement, which we don't celebrate. But however, during the prophet Zechariah's days, the last book of the Old Testament, uh, you'll see that there was actually more fasting than was actually required. In Zechariah chapter 8, God is actually speaking kind of a future time, and he's kind of giving them this, this word of encouragement about what their worship would look like in the future. And he says, this is what the Lord Almighty says. The fast in the fourth and fifth, seventh and tenth months will become joyful and glad occasions, happy festivals in Judah. Therefore, love, truth, and peace. So what they were saying there, you can pick up that even though there was one day that was commanded to fast, by this time in Israel's history, they actually had many fasts throughout the year because they did it in a joyful way to connect with God and as part of their just regular spiritual practice as a community, which is why if you've been with Midtown for very long, you've noticed that right around February of every year, the last couple of years, we said that that's what we want to do as a, as a spiritual community. We want to have an annual time that we dedicate some time aside. It doesn't mean we won't do it at other times. But, but we've said, like, this is what we want to do. We want to practice fasting together uh, as, a, as a church because it's good for us. It helps us connect and grow and get closer to God. It's part of our normal spiritual practice as a church. But not just corporately was it part of spiritual practice. For many, many, many individuals, it has been part of their spiritual practice. And the one that I really love that caught my attention this week was the spiritual practice of Anna. Uh, this is a widowed woman who 
was one of the first to recognize Jesus, even when he was a baby and who he was. You read the story in Luke chapter two, it says this about her. She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying, coming up to them, meaning this is Mary and Joseph, coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who are looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. You see, part of this single woman's regular practice was to worship, and part of her worship was that she fasted, and she sought God at the temple, and she was so close to God in her fasting that she was one of the few people who recognized Jesus as Messiah, even when he was a baby. You see, fasting was just one of her spiritual disciplines that drew her close to God. And this is what it really is for us. And I want to kind of close by pointing this out to us, that this is really the ultimate purpose of fasting. Now, you can fast in response to need for a prayer. You can fast in, in repentance and confession. You can fast when you need discernment. But among all of those, fasting is ultimately a way to draw near to God. And even doing it for any of those other three reasons, the ultimate prize, the ultimate reason is so that you can draw near to God. And that's what we're doing. We've said that this whole fast is about experiencing and extending God's love. And what we want is Jesus to be the prize of this fast, that he's the one that we're pursuing and their ultimate aim, no matter what of those other handles you grab onto, know this, that God is the one that we're really after. He's the one that we want to experience. We want to experience his love to the degree that then we can then freely give it to others because it's overflowing out of our relationship with God. And so as we go into this 21-day fast, I want to encourage you to participate with us and to do it toward that end and to do it with that hope that you will get closer to God through this process, through this time. Specifically, I'd like to challenge you to fast from food, a true biblical fast, at least during some part. I'm not talking all 21 days, but to seek God about how you could do a whole fast or a partial fast during some of the days scattered throughout the 21. I'd like to encourage you also to do what, again, Dallas Willard called a sacrifice, to spend some time saying, What other thing could I set aside that would allow my heart to draw nearer to God during this 21 days? I would encourage you to do do that as well. I do want to close by just giving a couple really quick bullet point um, reminders, though, that I think will be helpful and really practical. As you consider how to engage in this fast in the next seven days before we start a week from Monday, I want to encourage you with these things. First is just to start small. If you've never fasted before, start small. Experiment during the fast. Just try it. See what it's like. Try it for a day or half a day. What I don't want you to do, though, is say to yourself, I can't do this. Because you really can. I mean, unless you really do have a medical condition, you can fast. You really can. People fasted for thousands of years, and you can too. Just just start small. Try to do something. Pray about it this week. Second is to remember this. There's grace in fasting. Uh, You don't have to fast. And you can break your fast at any time. So pray about how you want to participate. Make a plan this week. Decide what you're going to do. But if you break your fast, it's okay. You can try again the next day or try a different way. There's grace for you. Third is remember, again, that matter, what matters most is our motives. I don't have time to look at them today, but there's so many scriptures about how rebuking people for fasting in a way where their heart is not right. Our motives really matter. So I would encourage you as you plan Uh, this fast to remember that and check your heart and do your best to keep your eyes on the prize, like I said, of, of knowing God. And then fourth, in today's age, we have to remember to check our relationship with food. 
Um, I couldn't talk about fast fasting without acknowledging that some of us have a difficult relationship, we'll call it, with food. And remember that fasting is, by definition, like I said, abstaining for, from food for a spiritual purpose. And if you're unable to engage in this fast in a way that is for a spiritual purpose, then, then you really shouldn't fast. If, if the fast is stirring up unhealthy thoughts or emotions, that's probably best that you not participate from food or from the food part of this fast. And if that's the case, we'd also really love to talk with you if that's something that you would like to talk about with any of our staff or women's leadership team or elders. Uh, we really would. As I said in the beginning, um, the goal of this fast is that we'd experience God's love and that we'd extend God's love. And I, I really believe that we're going to do that together. This is going to be a really fun time during these 21 days. And I just want to say that let's press into that. Let's press in with a, with a goal of experiencing God's love personally and then extending God's love to each other. One of the things that I like that we did this year, you'll see when you get your devotional hand delivered this week, that each day there's a personal challenge something that we're asking you to do the first week as it's focused on personally experiencing God love. It's more, it's more internal, but the last two weeks, there's a daily challenge every day where it's given you a chance just to think of one little way that you could love someone in our church or someone outside of our church and to think about all the ways that we're actually going to experience God's love personally through someone else that's giving us extending God's love. Like I'm really excited to see what God's going to do with that. And so I give you this commission for the next week to pray about it. Uh, next Sunday, we'll kick it off with the sermon series on experiencing God's love. And then next Monday, so a week from Monday, is when our fast will start. And I hope you talk about it with each other, with your roommates, with your families, uh, with your midtown communities. And let's seek God this week uh, for which of those handles, if any of them, you want to experience it personally. And we'll do this uh, corporately and have a great time uh, together during this fast. Let me pray for us and let's pray for this next week. Thanks, God, for uh, this opportunity before us. Uh, we're, we're excited in some ways and we're uh, intimidated. I know I am in some ways trying to figure out uh, how you would have me participate. I pray that we'd all have just a lot of, um, a lot of grace, experience your love as we, as we think about how we can really set aside food and maybe some other things to pursue you for 21 days. We ask for your spirit to speak and to use this devotional as we all read the same scriptures and pray the same prayers for 21 days. Oh man, let us experience you in a, in a really new and powerful way. Um, if we need any specific answer to prayer, we pray that you would use this fast to give the breakthrough that we need. If we need to confess and repent, I pray that you use this fast to break cycles of sin. Yeah. If we need direction and discernment, we pray that you would Give us the discernment that we need and, and let us hear your voice. And I pray that after fasting for 21 days, we'd make it more part of our regular spiritual practice. I know I need that. We thank you uh, for our church and for those that have gathered here this morning. Um, continue to lead us this week as we uh, pray toward this end. Give us direction in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this ministry has blessed you. If you would like to support this ministry, you can donate at midtownaustin.org.